Welcome to the Conjucast, the podcast that you never made a deal with. We're also the show that didn't make the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, even if you round down, but we do provide an age of perspective to the galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Bria, and with me are my co-hosts, Brian and Jay. Hello. Hello. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Marvel and the slew of news we got at San Diego Comic-Con. So sit back and enjoy the show as we don't talk about Star Wars. Hey guys, are you uh, ready to not talk about the Space Wars? Listen, we can do whatever we want, so I am absolutely ready. What's a Star War? It's the thing with the phasers. Oh, yes. Galaxy Quest. I love that. <laughs> no, it's all with the Stargates. Are you oh, sure it isn't the it one was, with the star with the search? I thought it was the one with Adama in it. It's definitely the one with the whales. Uh, See what I did there? See uh, what yeah. I did there? That, that, that works. <laughs> oh boy, I am. This is gonna go great, guys. Uh, at least two of us are running on less than four hours of sleep, so this is gonna be a really fun episode. <laughs> this it's either going to be very dull and monotone or we're just going to be punch drunk the whole time tune in to find out because we sure don't know uh and right off the bat i'm going to just apologize to the world and you know half of my ancestors for how i'm probably going to be butchering names i should be able to pronounce chinese names mandarin much better than i can I cannot. So please forgive me. I am doing my best. <laughs> yeah, that's about all I got on that one. You guys ready to dive into this? Let's dive Let's in. All right. There's a lot of news and it's not just Marvel news. So we're going to take it all the way back to what? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago when they released the live action trailer for Mulan. And I'm actually really digging it. Um, it seems like this one is going to be the least like the other animated films so far, which I think, given what I've heard about The Lion King and some of the other animated films, is really for the best. Yeah, the the other remakes have been just sort of a paint-by-numbers retelling. Uh, I'm really excited about Mulan because it looks like it's going to do a fresh take on the on the story. Yeah, I think one of the weaknesses we've learned of doing the movies the same way again is we already have the same movies. And so I'm glad Mulan is taking the opportunity to realize we have a different move, different medium, different way of telling the story. And hey, maybe we can engage the source material a little bit differently. And it definitely looks like they're going to do that. Um, there's no Shang in this one, unfortunately, uh, which I can live with since we don't also have, you know, def- the defeat the hun song or i'll make a man out of you wow i yeah uh and there's also no mushu so which makes sense and i think i really like that they're using they're using it sort of like as a springboard to tell like you said jay a story that kind of goes back to the original legend and i thought it was interesting how i think the story about no mushu said that there will be a mythical animal but it'll be a phoenix instead of a dragon which um correct me if i'm wrong about this understanding but i think like phoenixes are more related to um women in mythology in chinese mythology anyway so that's an interesting change of pace yeah that should be cool um what do you guys think of the trailer itself i really really liked it. really cool yeah it was a 
I, they wasted no time in showing in the trailer that this was not this was going to be a different take on Mulan, and I loved I I I loved it. Uh, the little bits of action they threw in there, uh, the visuals, um, it was it was really good. Yeah, it's like got a mix between like a, a Chinese war film, which I think a lot of people on Twitter pointed out there was like an older. Um, 2009 Mulan so it had a bit of that that was made in China so it had a bit of like military feel to it and then also like a Chinese martial arts feel especially with the uh the sword fighting so it'll be really cool to see uh how they do that yeah I also like that with the dialogue they did nods back to some of the more uh the more famous songs from the Disney film did you guys pick up on that or no she had this thing about bringing honor to her, her family right yeah yeah um, it was that, and I want to say there was a, a line about reflection. Ooh, um, oh yeah, that I that I didn't that pick up song. on. Yeah, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but it was something. It was one of those. Um, it was pretty neat. Uh, and then also, there's going to be a. It's a prequel, right, Jay? Middle yeah, grade a, novel. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, a prequel middle grade novel by grace lynn that um i'm not familiar with the author myself but she announced it on twitter it's called mulan before the sword um and i believe it's coming out before the movie but i'm not exactly sure about that but it's definitely set before the events of the film that's awesome i'm like i'll have to pick that one up when it comes out um jay i feel like you should take this next one yeah so um out now, I think it came out last week or the week before. No, last week, I think. There's an uh, Avatar Kyoshi novel from the Avatar The Last Airbender universe by author F.C. Yi. And it's about uh, the character of Avatar Kyoshi, who was two avatars before Avatar Aang from the animated series. And it discusses what she was like before she became the legendary avatar. And one of the, the premises of the... Um, the story is um, we know Kyoshi through the cartoon as this epic, larger than life figure, quite possibly the most powerful character we've seen in the series. But this shows us uh, life before she's the avatar where people don't even know and don't even sort of believe at first that she actually is the avatar. And it um, includes both the sort of martial arts mythology film uh, style that we're used to in this TV series, as well as the sort of necessary political war shenanigans that we see in avatar as well there's gonna be two of those right i am not sure now i need to check this because i thought i Ooh, it says avatar kyoshi series yes excellent so it says io9 trying to figure out when the second one will be Oh, untitled follow-up still undated as of a while ago, but cool. Have you gotten a chance to read it yet, Jay? I've only read through the beginning part, um, so I'm I'm hoping to – I'm traveling soon, so I'm hoping to let, have that be my airplane raid. Are you liking it so far, though? I am liking it a lot. It's especially um, – you know, we get the world building through the visual language in the cartoon, and it's nice to see – it done um, through like written language because it's a very interesting, like the, the Avatar The Last Airbender world is very, um, it's a very, I, I'm running out of words. It, it's a, 
it's a very creative setting that doesn't really re- match the real world while still echoing the real world. So I'm trying to like imagine the setting based on what I know from the cartoon and having to do that through written description. So it's, it's been an interesting experience. Very cool. I'll have to check that one out at some point. Brian, have you watched Avatar yet? I've watched Avatar The Last Airbender. I have not watched all of Korra. Uh, it was that coming. Was it. Yeah, it was it was coming out while I was moving to Florida and um yeah, I missed a whole bunch and never got a chance to catch back up, but it's on my list. Good. Good. All right, Jay, you've also got to take the next item on here cuz I have no idea what those words mean in that order. Yeah, so the the latest release in the popular computer game series Total War just came out last month. It's called Total War 3 Kingdoms and it's set in uh ancient China during the historical um, War of the Three Kingdoms, which was after the fall of the Eastern Han Dynasty in about 190 AD. And the cool thing about this game in particular is that um, it, you know, it's a Western computer game series that's made by a British company. Um, they've done uh, East Asian uh, themes before. They, they're, they're famous for two games set in Shogunate-era Japan. But this is the first time that... Chinese history is being presented to a large Western audience, and I'm uh, aware of a lot of people who started reading up about the period and learned a lot more of of Chinese history and culture through this video game. Additionally, it's apparently immensely popular in China right now. Um, The Three Kingdoms period um, in general is culturally significant in China, uh, largely thanks to the romance of the Three Kingdoms novel, but also, to my understanding, it's just generally super culturally ingrained in China the same way you might see like the Iliad and the Odyssey is ingrained in Western culture. So it's kind of cool to explore this era through a very faithful um, and uh, respectful uh, video game series. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, Brian, and I can't really contribute to that, but I'm really glad it's something cool that you like. Um, next on the list is Emmy nominations came out, and I have feelings about some of those, but I will save my Game of Thrones ranting for another time and simply for now say that on the Asian American front, uh, Sandra Oh got an Outstanding Lead Actress nomination for Killing Eve and also as a guest actor for a comedy series for her SNL hosting, which is still on my list to watch. I've only seen a couple sketches, but they were very entertaining. She got to do the um, the college admission scandal one, I believe. Oh. Yeah, it was it was amusing. Uh, oh, boy, here we go. Uh, Kumal Nanjiani. Did I, I get that? Right. Okay. Uh, was nominated for guest actor in a drama series for The Twilight Zone, which I've heard that's been very... I think that's the one that Jordan Peele's been doing, right? Yes, I've caught a couple episodes and it's really good. Do you, either of you know which episode he did? I think he's in the pilot. Uh, it's the one with the uh, comedian, or the stand-up comedian. Okay, cool. And then finally, uh, Jessica Yu was nominated for directing for our limited series for the episode Glory and Fosse Vernon, which is on my to-watch list because it's classic show business. How could you not want to watch it? And I'm completely serious there. I do want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I believe you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda was hosting like watch parties each week, and I was very entertained. Um so yeah, and I don't remember exactly when the Emmys are, but 
hopefully uh, Sandra O oh will win again because she deserves to have nice things happen to her. And then finally, um, for our not Marvel news, the farewell was released or is being released this weekend. I don't remember which, but it is a comedy drama film directed by Liu Wang and it is starring uh, Aquafina. It's about um, it's about a daughter who her parents had immigrated over to China or over from China to the United States, and her grandmother is diagnosed with a terminal illness, but they don't want to tell her grandmother. Sorry, her grandmother still is back in China, and they don't want to tell her that she's been diagnosed with it. So the family comes up with a reason to all go over there so they can see her. Everyone can see her one more time. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, they pretend... Someone gets married and they're like, oh, yes, here's what we have to do. So it's a it's a family story. And if I remember correctly, it's also based somewhat loosely on uh, either the director or the writer's uh, actual life. So what you're telling me that they go beyond fake dating to fake married in this movie? I think they're actually I think the marriage is real, but they weren't planning on necessarily getting married right then. Oh, my God. I haven't seen the. Mo- I haven't actually gotten to see the movie, um, but I've heard it. I've heard it's good. I've got to go see it if it's out or when it comes out this weekend. If it does, yeah, I wish I had remembered to to grab the date. But it sounds it sounds like it's it's good, and um, I like that we're getting to see more more films like that at the forefront, where it's not just you know the white American family who gets their story told. Um, there was actually a really interesting interview with the director that was over on Jezebel a week or two ago, um, that was talking about how, okay, yes, in China, you can, the, how they were able to hide that the grandmother was diagnosed with a terminal illness from her without telling her. Cause you would think in the United States that would be medical malpractice, but apparently there's something I'm going to butcher the interview. You should go look it up. It was very interesting to read. Um, and also, I'm always happy to see more Aquafina. Absolutely. She's hilarious. Hey, Brian, did you watch Crazy Rich Asians yet? I have not seen Crazy Rich Asians yet. Brian. I know. Brian. <laughs> I know. I, in, in fairness to me, we've been, Nancy and I have been kind of busy with things. I know, but look, it's a good chick flick. Oh, Nancy I, would like it. I, I know, I know. I mean, we, we are, we are going to watch it. Uh, I just... Need to get a nursery put together first. <sighs> okay, fine. Excuses, excuses. I guess you have a firm date on that one. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, was there anything else? Oh, you know what? I feel weird putting this in news, but I just want to mention it real quick, even though it is Star Wars. They announced today that Star Wars Resistance is going to be out. Season one will be put out on DVD. Not Blu-ray. Just DVD. I I don't want to get conspiratorial and say that Lucasfilm doesn't care about Resistance like they did, like they cared about Rebels and Clone Wars. But <sighs> there's a lot of strikes against them. Yeah, the Sunday night time slot, not as much marketing, the Monday morning panel. The relative lack of ancillary material is compared to Rebels. Yeah, although I did, so someone did, there was speculation in the Slack about why there's no Blu-ray. Um, 
Brian, do you remember what exactly some, um, one of our Patreons said? Someone said that Samsung was no longer making Blu-ray discs, but I could not confirm that. I think they may not be making players anymore, but um, I can't find anything that supports uh, the idea that there is a supply chain problem with Blu-ray, with blank Blu-ray discs. Yeah, and... Uh, it's not an error that it just says DVDs. Uh, there's been enough confirmation from various people at Lucasfilm. Uh, Justin Rich, who is the supervising director, said that as soon as he knows anything, we'll know. So hopefully it works out. Um, and I'm really hoping we get to see more than just two seasons of this show. Because it's been really awesome. It's a show that grows really quickly on you. And it's a show that improves by leaps and bounds. And it's a show that I think... A lot of people might be surprised that they'd enjoy, um, you know, I don't think it's a show that should be judged on its first impressions of being light and flashy and insubstantial because it's none of those things. It's actually a pretty deep show and definitely also a fun show at the same time. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about Resistance in a couple of months. I think we have that slated to discuss in September, but man. Not many shows could have pulled off or stories could pull off some of the storylines they did. And I'm specifically thinking of Tam. Mm -hmm. But we will get into that another time because we're not talking about Star Wars. And this feels really, really weird to say, guys, <laughs> because this is not how we started life as a podcast. Oh, just embrace it like we've embraced it on TSR. That's true. OK, so moving into our discussion topic, there was a lot of news that came out of the Hall H Marvel panel this year, which is Doubly crazy because number one, it was the end of the Infinity Saga is what they've titled the first three phases. Number two, Marvel didn't even show up to Hall H last year. They're like, eh, we're not going to do it. And then they show up and I think we all knew it was going to be crazy. Like, we just didn't know how crazy. The whole panel, the entire thing was a Steve Jobs, oh, one more thing moment. The whole thing. Yeah, like... His the last five things he spat out before running off the stage. I was like, are you kidding me right now? I thought the panel was done. Like when they started showing the Black Widow stuff around 930 or whatever time it was, I was like, oh, OK, cool. And I sort of just moved along with my life. I typed my oh, my God, Marvel just did that tweet. And then the next thing I know, wait, <laughs> OK. Yeah, and suddenly a wild Mahershala Ali appears and is in Blade. Yeah, because apparently, like, after he won his Oscar, he called up Kevin Feige and was like, hey, let's talk. <laughs> and Kevin Feige's like, yes, whatever you want. Sure, done. When Mahershala Ali comes, comes to you and says he wants to do a project, you do the project. And you ignore the only one role, role in the MCU role. That just gets thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. Um... But more specifically, we wanted to talk about a couple of the projects they got announced. And actually, let's just do, we'll dive into some more of these a little bit more carefully. But we're going to, because they've got, what, about five movies that they have slated and about the same number of TV shows, I think, uh, over the next th two and a half years. So they gave the slate for, well, there's nothing coming out the rest of the year, but for 2020 and 2021. Um, they led surprisingly with the Eternals, which we knew the movie was coming. I think a lot of us forgot about it, mostly because when Marvel said, hey, we're going to make a movie about the Eternals, everyone 
except for maybe three nerds went the what and i'm including myself in this like i thought i was pretty well versed in marvel i had no idea who the heck these guys who this team was so the funny story is i don't know anything about marvel and i actually did recognize them really okay this would be the one that you recognize yeah yeah um they they showed up in the incredible hercules series which is the only uh non-star wars series i had read up to a few years ago jay that's so painfully on brand by the way an awesome comic series nobody's read it yet it's amazing wow Okay. And has Amadeus Cho, so it's relevant to our podcast. Amadeus Cho is the actual best. And we will talk about him a little bit later, mostly because we can. Um, so I, it's being directed by uh, Chloe Zhao with, and released on November 5th, 2020, which feels painfully far away. And then they brought up the cast, which they started with Angelina Jolie, who, and I'm just going to read through the list that I got off of io9. Um, Angelina Jolie is playing Athena, based on Athena. Sama Hayek is Ajax, the leader of the Eternals. Richard Madden, who you may know from Game of Thrones, is Icarus, based on Icarus. Uh, Camille Nanjiani is Kinja Sunin. Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, based on Hephaestus. Uh, Leah Mahew as Sprite. Don Lee as Gilgamesh, also known as the Forgotten One in the comics. And Lauren Ridloff as Makari. Based on Mercury, I believe. Ah, that was not on io9, but that sounds about right. The Eternals were created by Jack Kirby at Marvel after he left doing the New God series uh, over at DC. So they share a lot of the same DNA from creatively speaking, which isn't terribly uncommon in comics. You tend to see... Uh, was one character will be an answer to another. But these are sort of unique as in that they are more purely Kirby creations as opposed to Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creations. So the Eternals are immortal cosmic beings who often resemble characters from Greek mythology. What were your guys' first thoughts when they brought that cast on stage after... I know it took me a second to get past. They actually got Angelina Jolie. I, I, I saw a couple pictures uh, on my Twitter timeline and I was just struck by how is that Maz that is Maz (laughs) Maz. I was just struck by how wildly diverse uh that cast was um I I honestly never thought I'd see a cast lineup like that in the MCU yeah, like, um, you know, I was doing Moon stuff, I think, when this happened, and I saw the cast photo, and I remember thinking, you know, it's not like we expect, you know, like, diversity isn't that strange, but seeing a cast like this all together in a single project, I think, still is to me, especially given um, who's leading who's leading this group of characters, too. So I, I was just very impressed. Yeah, I can't believe they got both Angelina Jolie and Salma Hayek. Um, which, fun fact about Zama Hayek, apparently her role is gender-swapped from the comics. Really? Yep. I'll, t- I'll which take it. Because Ajax is a male Greek warrior in mythology, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I'm really interested to see what they end up doing with that character. Um, and like we said, there's a lot of diverse faces on the on the stage. Uh, actually, one of the main cast members is a kid. I think that's Sprite. Uh, played by Leah McHugh. And then also one of the actresses is deaf, 
which is a pretty sure is a first for a significant role in the MCU. I can't think of uh, I can't think of another one like that. Of course, they had the uh, they could have made Hawkeye deaf, but they didn't go that route. So we'll take this. We'll talk about Hawkeye in a minute. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then also, um, I couldn't uh, I didn't. I wasn't able to necessarily confirm it, but I saw a lot of rumblings that apparently this may, despite some other uh, louder comments made later in the panel, that it's entirely possible the Eternals will feature our first actual LGBTQA character in like an actual real role. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I heard the other thing, but I didn't hear about the Eternals. Yeah, I think... I, I don't want to say what character I thought I heard it was because uh, I might be misremembering things again. Two and a half hours of sleep, but if they do that, I think that'll be really cool. Um, they have a they have the star power with Julian Hayek to pull off quite a bit, and the rest of the cast are no slouches. Like, let's be clear about that. Um, and they have that is a Marvel film, so I have trouble seeing this performing poorly. I mean, maybe poorly for a Marvel film is possible, but I like that they're taking chances and that they're they're reflecting the world that we see around us. Um, the one thing I put I put in the notes was I was wondering if this has the opportunity, the potential to be this next. I don't want to call it phase. It's phase four, but like story arc. Um, I don't know the next Guardians of the Galaxy. Not that. I don't think it's going to be funny. I think this will be probably not very funny. But this totally new group of people who we don't know, we have, we, no one knows who any of these people are, but we're able to fall in love with them. You know, at this point, Mar or, uh, the MCU has made us fall in love with so many obscure characters that uh, requires some real extensive lore to know that um, I totally would buy uh, this cast being the next Guardians that we uh, fall in love with. Yeah, but and honestly, I, I would even say that it doesn't require a lot of lore to love. Like, I didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, and to be fair, I, I don't like them that much, but a lot of people do, and I think you know, most of the audience going into it just went into it just purely based on the movies. And that was enough to establish who these characters are, what their motivations are, and get the audience behind them. And if they can pull that off again with the Eternals, I think there's no reason why it wouldn't be uh, successful. Yeah, I, I have no reason to think they can't do that. Yeah, I'm just, I think my question is, do we think they have the potential to be a runaway hit like Guardians of the Galaxy was? With that cast, I think it. I think it does. I hope so because I, I think I think we've started seeing that um, diverse films are some. Uh, you know, I, I don't even think I want to call them sleeper hits, but I think audiences really respond to them. And I think if they can pull off both uh, a great cast and story, or a great story in combination with this cast, I think we, this film can get a lot of love and support. Yeah, I, I, I think. I think this one has the potential to be really big. Yeah. So, Jay, since you said you had read some stuff with the characters before, are there any of these in particular that you're especially looking forward to seeing on the screen? Fina. Um, 
which is extra funny because so she's the one that's based on Athena and the context she came up with in Incredible Hercules is that she was fighting the real Athena and they were basically arguing over who, you know, was the real mythological Athena, blah, blah, blah. But what's interesting about the MCU is I'm pretty sure they're staying away with the, they're staying away from the Greek mythology side of um, their comics and focusing specifically on the Norse mythology side. So these characters might be the only manifestation of Greek mythology we see in the MCU. And so I'll be really curious as to how straight they play it. I mean, I think they're still going to be cosmic beings, but are they going to go with, um, cause I think the original Thor movie had started with, Oh, we're aliens, not gods. And then now they're sort of veering more towards the gods. Will the Eternals be, no, we are straight up aliens, but the myths were based on us. And I, I think that's the approach they might end up taking with these. Yeah. And I think, um, again, I'm not terribly familiar with the Eternals, but I think they also have connection to the celestials which if you saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, that's one of the types of beings that uh, Peter's dad was. Yeah, the, the Marvel Universe has this whole like divine cosmology thing with different tiers of cosmic entities where like, the gods we understand of as gods are actually like on the lower tier of that. So I think Celestials and the Eternals are like extra godly gods according to the Marvel scale. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Like what what's the storyline going to be with figures of this kind of power and scope in the Marvel universe. And will they follow the same pattern as the comics or do something different? I love that there's a scale of gods. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and, and I, apparently the top God is um, like, and you have to talk to someone who's more of a Marvel expert, but, but there's like, you know, there's, there's like the divine tribunal and there's like Galactus and all that stuff. And then there's like characters that are called watchers, I think, which are like extra high and, Stanley's supposedly supposed to be one of the watchers and then above that there's like actual god or something like that it's it's a whole thing we'll talk about the actually you know what I was gonna talk about it later but I'm just gonna talk about it now for a second uh one of the other things that came out of Marvel was that they're doing an animated show for Disney plus called uh what if which is going to be uh feature one of the watchers and I am blanking on the actor's name but he was in both Westworld and Hunger Games um, Jeffrey, I'm blanking on it right now, but he's going to be uh, doing the Watcher, and it'll be Jeffrey one-offs. Thank you, Jeffrey Wright. It'll be one-off stories in which, um, basically, what it says on the label, like "What if?" So I think one of the more popular ones being thrown around is if "What if Peggy Carter was Captain America?" Um, it's a concept that comes right from the comics. Uh, they tend to do the what if issues off of big events. So they did one for the Civil War at one point where uh, I think Iron Man died instead of Captain America. And they have a whole slew of names attached. Uh, the only ones I didn't see up on that slide, I don't think I saw Chris Evans, but I do remember, I know Natalie Portman is on that list. So that will be a really interesting show to see what they do. And especially if somehow the Watchers end up tying into the Eternals, that would be really neat to see. Ooh, that could be one way to like actually fit in a what if show in the actual MCU and make it somehow work. Yeah, that's what they're literally doing. Wow. Um, that one's, I think, that's a 2021 release. It was towards the right hand side of the slide. Um but yeah, uh, so 
over on our Patreon Slack, we asked for questions once we decided like three days ago we were going to change the topic. And someone asked for comic recs for people who might not necessarily know these characters. So, Jay, what was the what was the run of Hercules you mentioned? Yeah, it's just called Incredible Hercules. Um, and it's it's, a, it's it's like got four trade comics and then it splits off into Chaos War. And that's the one where Fina specifically shows up. It doesn't have the rest of the Eternals, um, but it's a great comic. And, and like I said earlier, it does feature the character Amadeus Cho, who's one of the most awesome characters that I've ever read in Marvel. Do you remember who any of the creative team was? Yes, yes. Um, that's um, it's uh, Pack and Van Lente. OK, cool. Um, and do you remember roughly around what year? Sorry. Uh, about 10 years ago, like 2005, six, seven, something like that. Okay, cool. It's hard. The, the one annoying thing about comics is trying to figure out what comic comes where it's not a very easy medium to get into. Um, you need a map. And then again, I'm not terribly familiar with the Eternals, but Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. did a, a series. I think it was about seven issue miniseries back in 2006. Um, my suspicion is that's probably a pretty solid primer. And if nothing else, it's Neil Gaiman. And how can you go wrong there? Yep. Uh, one more thought on uh, the Eternals. Um, and uh, it's it's the director, uh, Chloe Zhao. Um, I really love that... It's a woman of color who is getting to direct something other than the quote unquote girl film. Yes. Agree completely. So yeah, I'm ve- I'm very excited to see, see what she does with this. Have you are you guys familiar with any of her previous work? Uh, let me pull up her IMDb. <laughs> I might be. Let's see. Yep, I I have not, unfortunately. I I've not seen. Um, she's oh, done a bunch of. She's done a few short films. Um, and uh, did Actually, songs that's... my brother taught me in 2015, and the writer in 2017. Okay, this is. I love this even more now. Because up until now, you know, you keep hearing how female directors, you know, or people of color, they have to prove themselves like they have to they have to basically, you know, won an Oscar to get their chance to do something. And I feel like with phase four, we're seeing we're seeing Feige and the MCU take chances on more unproven directors. Like, remember, the Russo brothers, they were doing commute episodes of community before they were given Winter Soldier. And it's kind of what I really like Marvel, Marvel's willingness to let directors be themselves when directing these films. So, yeah, it makes total sense that they would find essentially more of a uh, more of an indie director like this, bring them aboard and turn them loose. Yep. Jerry, you guys say? Yeah, uh, sorry, just going back to Incredible Hercules for a second, I was just looking it up, and apparently there's a complete collection, 464-page volume coming out literally next month, so there is that, Incredible Hercules, the complete collection. Ooh. Nice. That's going to be a really big book. (laughs) I am totally ordering it, literally right now. (laughs) You could kill kill a man with it, Jay. You get your signet ring. (laughs) It's perfect for Hercules, I guess. That is true. 
Okay. Any last thoughts on the Eternals before we move on? Uh, that's going to be a very fun cast to watch. I cannot wait. And we have to wait like a year and a half, a little under a year and a half, but a while. Yeah. We have to wait a while. Um, then one of the next announcements they did was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I think we had heard rumors that this film was coming. Yeah, this was um, one of those. Uh, it was in all the trades, so it was as close to confirmed as you could get without them actually saying confirmed. Yes, uh, this one is being directed by Dustin Daniel Creighton, and it will be released February 12th, 2021. And someone pointed out, which I think is very interesting, and I don't know if they did this on purpose or not. Uh, that's around the time frame for Chinese New Year. Huh, it is. I didn't, I didn't look up exactly when it is, uh, which cycle we're in at 20, but that's pretty close. <laughs> so... Happy New Year in 2021 to to all of us. Um, they haven't announced too much of the cast yet, which makes sense since they're t- still about two years out. But they did some things that made me very, very happy, starting with announcing that the, quote, Master of Kung Fu will be battling the real Mandarin. Oh, thank God. <laughs> J.R.F. Bryan. Do you have some feelings related to Iron Man 3 you would like to express? <laughs> what, other than Iron Man 3 is the worst film in the MCU by a country mile, and it's in large part to how they handled the Mandarin? Please express those. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can without using our one allotted F-bomb, and I've already promised that to you. That's true, you did. It was very nice of you. Okay, so here's why Iron Man 3 makes me mad, is... You guys know that gif from America's Next Top Model of Tyra Banks? We were like, rooting for you. Everyone was rooting for you. Yes. I spent <laughs> months before Iron Man 3 came out defending having the Mandarin in there. Because if you do Iron Man, eventually you have to include the Mandarin because he is like the big foe for Tony Stark. And I was like, all right, so you guys cast Sir Ben Kingsley, okay. Uh, not Chinese, he's half Indian, but like, okay. So, and I thought they were gonna, they were gonna do a play on Matt Fraction's run on Iron Man, where it was like the Mandarin created his own legend. Um, and it was a pretty solid way of getting around the, frankly, racist crap that is tied to the Mandarin. Um, let's be real. Comics were not exactly um, politically correct back in the 60s. Particularly thoughtful issues. with how they use certain tropes. It was not good. It was not good, Bob. And so I defended it, and I was excited for it. Because I love Iron Man. And then Iron Man 3 happens. And they turn the Mandarin into a fucking joke. He was a punchline. And I'm like, I was rooting. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Because, oh, it's not really the Mandarin. It's some actor named Trevor. It's just a role. And the real bad guy is some other white dude whose name I don't remember. But they're a dime a dozen and in Marvel. And they also squandered aim, but that's not the point. 
the point is, it made me mad. And not even their little short film. Um, oh, crap. What was that short film called? All Hail the King or something like that? God, if I know. I blocked uh, that whole thing out of my memory. Yeah, but they did some short movie where it was like insinuating that, oh, yes, there actually is a real Mandarin out there. And he's not happy with Trevor. Well, no shit. I wasn't happy with Trevor. And I get mad because it's Ben freaking Kinsley who deserves our love. Anyways, this is all to say that we're now getting the real Mandarin. And fun fact, uh, I was watching a video from the panel before this. And apparently you could see the Ten Rings symbol in, I- in Ant-Man. Did not know that. Huh. But apparently you can. And Marvel is not kidding around. And they cast Chinese superstar Tony Leung as the Mandarin. This is how you do the Mandarin. I, so I'm not the most educated on the Chinese film market, but as I understand it, he's basically God over there. And he has never done a Holly, an American Hollywood film before this one. So the fact that he is doing this is huge. And I have to believe this to me, this is the sign that they're going to do the character right And a villain like the Mandarin should be done right. And that when you have an Asian creative team on there, that it won't, they will find a way to work around the painful racism. Yeah, I I have, I have way more faith in this creative team handling it right than, than another creative team would. Uh, The right people are involved. The right actors are involved. It's, it's a, it, it bodes well. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to recover after my rant. Um, <laughs> it was a good rant, though. I enjoyed it. I have so many feelings, guys. Um, and then so Tony Lung was not there, but they also so they announced that he's playing the Mandarin. And they also announced that Aquafina has been cast in the movie in an undisclosed yes! role so far, which is amazing. Um, and then they kind of did. You guys, you have got to watch the video because I. I'm utterly charmed by Simu Liu, who is playing the title role. He was cast on Tuesday. He screen tested in New York on Sunday, was cast on Tuesday, was at San Diego Comic-Con on Saturday. Wow. Hell of a week. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty wild week. Yeah. Um he is probably most well known for his role in Kim's Convenience, which I now absolutely really need to go watch on Netflix. It's been on my list for a while. Um, but yeah, he was incredibly charming. And actually, we'll jump down to one of the questions that we had from John, which was, how cool was it to have a Marvel hero walk out on the stage of Hall H and speak fluent Mandarin? Uh, the video is pretty cool. Again, I don't speak more than like three words of Mandarin, but man, it was cool. And he was just like, I bet most of you don't know what any of that was, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it's, it's awesome to see, to see all of that. And yeah. We've come a long way. Haven't we? We really have. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined this 
three years ago, let alone 10, 11, when the whole MCU started. Yeah. Well, especially because a couple of years ago, we were sighing loudly at Doctor Strange because we kept having those hopes for Doctor Strange to be cast as not a white guy. Um, and then the whole thing with the Eternal One being played by, being played by a white woman. And, and now we're here and we're going to have the first Asian-led MCU movie. And this is so cool. Um, I it's do just wanna... so nice that Scarlett Johansson isn't playing all the roles. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she, like, triple double downed in that interview last week. Uh, I should be able to play whatever I want. Shut up. Oh, Trees and animals, no less. No. Please, I just want her to be Groot's little sister. I don't care. Just go away. Um... Yeah, oh, the one thing I did want to point out, though, about this is that while this is the first Asian-led Marvel film, please don't say that this is the first Asian superhero for Marvel on the screen, because that is incorrect. That honor belongs to Daisy Johnson over in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and not only was she the first Asian superhero, she was the first female, like, super-powered superhero in the MCU. Um, That's a really good point, actually. Yep, know she your history. Be. Yeah, yeah. She was she was in Marvel before um, Scarlet Witch, and before her, the only other superhero was Black Widow, and Black Widow doesn't have powers. Um, so yeah, so yes, it, I guess Agents of Shield is kind of in a weird place, but it did get its starts as part of the MCU. So you know, respect Daisy Johnson, and go watch Shield. It's going to end next year after season seven. It's been very very good. People should watch it. Um, speaking of Marvel TV shows, I wanted to bring up the Netflix, uh, Iron Fist show. Cause I feel like there's going to end up being a lot of comparisons between the two. Yeah. Um, this was another one of the shows where people were advocating for the lead to be cast as a person of color and specifically to be cast as Asian. Um, in the comics, Danny Rand is a white guy, but there are plenty of people who are far smarter than I, who came up with good, reasonable explanations for how you could still, still tell the story of Danny Rand as, and his status as being sort of the fish out of water and the other, while still having the character be Asian. Um, the first season of Iron Fist was painful. I think I fell asleep watching it multiple times. Uh, second season was actually decent once they stopped taking Danny so seriously. But I'm glad that we're actually... I'm glad we get to see Shang-Chi. This is... It feels fitting. Now, I haven't watched the show, but the second season was one they used Jessica Henwick more, right? Uh, she was a, she was around in both of them a lot, but she got to uh, she stepped up in a real way in season two. Like at the end of season two, what they left us with, I was just yelling very angrily when they said that Iron Fist was canceled. But yes, yeah, um, I take it neither one of you 
subjected yourselves to Iron Fist? I did not. Uh, <laughs> I saw the reviews of the first season and just noped right out of there. Yep. Hey, Jay, fun fact. Do you know when the first season came out? No. The weekend we went to go see Hamilton. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why I specifically remember that, I don't know. But I do know I fall asleep in New York trying to watch one of the episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you guys have any other thoughts about the cast for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings or any of anything related to that? Boy, the talent behind the camera really makes all the difference with a project like this. Um, if it was another creative team, I'd... Even with this cast, I'd be worried. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and I did like in the video where uh, the director said he grew up uh, on Maui and he was and he met flat out like calls out Marvel basically from the panel stage and says, I'm glad that we're finally getting to see faces within the movies that look like the faces that are within this room. And I was like, damn, son. Wonderful to hear. Damn. Um, yeah. What about you, Jay? Any other? Um, no, I think it's. I honestly cannot beat the director's quote on that one. That's perfect. Okay. Um, and then again for Comic Rex. Uh, again, this is not one of the characters I'm overly familiar with, which, but I'm more familiar with him than the Eternals. Um, most of what I know him from comes from uh, Jonathan Hickman's run on the Avengers. So if you're looking that up, it'll show up as Avengers 2012, um, which is also, by the way, if you want a masterclass in, in storytelling and Avengers, pick up Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers. They were incredible. Um, but Zhang chi I think in the second volume, has a pretty decent sized role, and then he's around for most of the rest of the series. Uh, I would also highly recommend, and apparently we are just wrecking the heck out of Greg Pak, uh, totally Awesome Hulk number 15, which came out a year or two ago, which was basically Asian superhero team-up. Um, um, that's Amadeus Cho Hulk, by the way. Have you been reading that, Jay? I read like the first issue of that, and I need to keep reading because Amadeus is great. Yeah, he's the best. He's, he's super smart. Super not always on top of things, though. <laughs> he used to sass Hercules a lot, so he gets my respect for that. Oh, yeah, he's got the sass. His sister, though, is just like, oh, my God, Amadeus, please. And by, and by the way, isn't there a, a Dr. Cho in the MCU that was just like a direct reference to Amadeus Cho? Uh, Helen, I think her name was. She was in Age of Ultron, I want to say. That sounds right. Yeah, I think that's it. That was the popular theory. Um. Yeah, I all I totally so for uh, totally awesome Hulk number fifteen, you can pick up that single issue and read it and not be terribly lost. Uh, it introduces you to a ton of different heroes, um, including Jimmy Woo, who some of you may know from Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, and then related to that, starting next month is Agents of Atlas, uh, or a brand new run on it by Greg Pak, and it is spinning out of War of the Realms new agents of atlas there are a ton of awesome asian heroes in there including a new philip brand new filipino hero i think her name is wave i haven't had a chance to pick up the book yet um the 
War of the Realms version of it. But yeah, if you want a nice diverse team by the master himself or written by the master himself, pick up Agents of Atlas starting in August. Um, and then for the Mandarin, I will always recommend the Matt Fraction Salvador Larroca run on Invincible Iron Man. Specifically, the issue you should pick up, and I talked about it briefly before when I mentioned the Mandarin sort of uh, telling his story and manipulating everything, is the annual. Uh, I would also recommend reading Invincible Iron Man, like that entire run. It's, again, Matt Fraction giving a masterclass in storytelling. Um, that one spun out of Civil War, and that book is responsible for why I love Maria Hill very dearly. But yeah, that's probably a good place to start. Uh, Basically, if you look through Iron Man stories, you can find comics with the Mandarin. I think Iron Man director S.H.I.E.L.D., I think he was he might have been involved with some of the extremist stories, but it's been a while since I've looked through those. That's Rex. Uh, did you guys... Any last thoughts on Shang-Chi? Except that we're going to get some really cool action sequences. Uh, I, I know nothing about these characters, so I'm excited to see them on screen. Uh, Simu Liu is very pretty. Have you watched videos of him yet? Yes. Oh, man. Whew. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I would just like to listen to him talk. See, now we both have to watch Kim's Convenience. <laughs> and this has been your weekly install, or your monthly installment of Brian Gets Thirsty. <laughs> One of us has to every episode. <laughs> it's true. Ah. And then, okay, so those were the two, um, the two announcements that are what made me tweet. Asian nerd Twitter is super happy right now. Um but I did want to briefly mention three other announcements that came out. We talked about the what if stories already. So I think there's it's animated. So it's it gives them potential to do a lot more interesting and cool things. And so who the heck knows what stories will show up there. Uh, they also announced they're doing a Hawkeye TV set show, which will be about Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye, a.k.a. Clint Barton, passing the torch over to um Kate Bishop, who is one of my all-time favorite characters in Marvel. Uh, and going by the logo, it looks like they're basing it pretty heavily on Matt Fraction's run. Potentially. Uh, if if that's the case, I'm quite happy. I actually own those comics. I haven't read them, but uh, they've been recommended to me so well that I do own them, and I should probably read them at some point. Yes, you should. Um, I feel like we're just chilling for Greg Pak and uh, Matt Fraction, but like really, they write some very, very good books, guys. Um, so the reason I wanted to include Hawkeye is, and I may keep meaning to write an essay about this, but I get distracted. Um, I'm really hoping they're going to cast Kate Bishop as Asian American. Oh, gosh, I really hope so. Um, so kind of going back a little bit, when Kate premiered in the Young Avengers comics, um, I don't know why, but for years and years, the majority of the cosplayers I would see around cons who did Kate were Asian. And I asked the artist at one point, I asked him, I was like, hey, did, was this a, a like, were you drawing her 
did you have, were you picturing her as Asian? He said, not necessarily, but I, I feel like there was something about the character and how she was originally portrayed in the Young Avengers run that just made her connect to a lot of us. Um, granted, I could just be. Well, no, I, I also kind of, I also kind of got that read from those Young Avengers comics that there might be a little Asian American influence in her character design. Yeah. Um, and also when I started thinking about it, when I started thinking about the old Young Avengers things, I got even more ticked off that Black Widow died instead of Clint Barton because I just kept picturing, you know, it's a Hawkeye TV series and it's about Kate trying to figure out, you know, she gets told, no, you can't be a hero, like leave being a superhero to people with superpowers. And then she does it anyways, because she's Kate freaking Bishop and she's not going to let being in a bridesmaid dress at a wedding like and people telling her no stop her from picking up a bow and arrow, um, which includes. Yeah, I think she picks up Mockingjay's or Mockingbird's mask and Hawkeye's bow. But there's a point in there where I think it was Jessica Jones sort of serves as a mentor to the Young Avengers at one point. And I was just thinking, yeah, I was like, how cool would it have been? And at the time, Clint Barton was dead in the uh, the comics. How cool would it have been to see in this, in the, the TV show, Kate getting to, you know, be a hero. And then at some point, Natasha catching up with her, sitting her down and being like, hey, I got something for you. And giving her Clint's bow and being like, I think he would want you to have this and to take his code name. Oh, I'm sad we can't get that. Like, how cool would that have been? I mean, yeah, we wouldn't have gotten Fraction, but I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, that's that's a bummer. That's my Hawkeye rant. I don't know if anyone else has anything <laughs> relevant to say about Hawkeye, but I um, wanted to get. I just wanted to excuse to talk about that, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just going to uh, also plug the Fraction Hawkeye run as well. It might be the most quotable comic run I've ever read. Bro. 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 I'm great at boats. Aw, coffee, no. Pizza dog! Pete, if this series does not have pizza dog, we riot. Yes. What's even the point? What is the point I if there is no pizza dog? I have no idea what's happening right now, but clearly I need to read these comics I've downloaded to my phone. Oh, yes, you very yes. much do. Uh, and if anyone needs another reason to read through them, uh, there's an issue. So Clint is hard of hearing, and there's an issue where I believe they did it entirely in sign language. They did. It was it's one of the that was one of the most clever comic is, comic issues I've ever read. Yeah, they did some really neat stuff in there. They also do um, one entirely from Pizza Dog's perspective, which was also great. Yes. Yes. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, so Jay, you have some reading to do. <laughs> All right, I will do my homework at some point. Uh, maybe when Brian watches Crazy Rich Asians, we can trade. Oh! <laughs> That's called the gauntlet dropping. Okay, I will watch Crazy Rich Asians because I very much want you to read the Fraction Hawkeye. Excellent. Was it the Infinity Gauntlet that you dropped? Ugh. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> you both can finish this without me. <laughs> but but we're going to talk about Love and Thunder. 
You can't leave, Brian. Uh, it's true. I can't leave. <laughs> Can I just say that the title Thor Love and Thunder, no other director could get away with that. It is one of the most beautifully Taika things ever. I am so excited. To see, I'm glad that they're going to do more Thor movies. Um, and this we knew they were going to do. Um, they It came out in one of the trades, but I don't think they said the title. Or maybe they did. I don't recall. No, we only heard in one of the trades that Taika was officially back for a fourth Thor film. And then they dropped a hammer um, by, number one, announcing the title and giving one of the coolest logos. It's one. It's a very Thundercats looking title. It's great. Yeah. And then Tessa takes the microphone and is like, well, for Valkyrie's first day as king, I think she's going to be looking for her queen. And I think. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think every single queer person listening to that just died and had a heart attack and just went to Valhalla. <laughs> Uh, I was so happy. They could have stopped. They could have just stopped saying things right there and I would have been content. Uh, yeah. I, how could you top that? And then they brought out Natalie Portman. I mean, who that, was back. That was a stunner right there that she would be back and at all. And she's Thor. <laughs> yep. I can't believe they're doing this. I th- they've got to be taking a bit from that Jason Aaron run, right? Oh, absolutely. Oh, they've got to um, be. Yeah, no, it it 100% comes from the Jason Aaron run and I believe Tychus flat out said it. Um which I'm going to put in another I swear I'm not showing for IO9, but they had a really good article I think James Whitbrook put it together that came out today. Um that's your reading guide for what to read if you're interested in Jane Foster Thor. Um Jane Uh, Jason Aaron did an incredible job on that run. And I just, holy crap. Tega gave her the hammer, like literally got down on one knee and handed Natalie Portman the hammer. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. I just, I'm happy. Uh, Related. I do hope Mark Mothersbaugh is back to do the music again. Ooh, that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> Jane Foster's Thor, yes. Yeah. Oh, um, related uh, that J- that Jason Aaron run, the first issue is free if you have an Amazon Prime account. Or uh, oh. first, uh, first volume. Oh, cool. Oh, first volume, wow. You should definitely check that out then. Um, there's a whole thing into why she's the one taking up the hammer, and a lot of people are going to say things like, oh, well, she's Lady Thor, or you can't take Thor's name away from him Um, but there was something that happened in a series I want to say it was called Original Sin where Thor became no longer worthy and then Jane Foster took up she took up the hammer Um, and it's tied to her her uh, storyline with her uh, having cancer so I'm very curious to see how they're going to handle that here and then Natalie Portman also did make a comment about how she is going to bulk up for the role Holy, so it turns out to get Natalie Portman back, you just have to give Jane Foster a really cool role. Yeah. Um, And the one thing I really dug was, uh, or not dug, but like, so they announced what the What If TV series before they did Thor. 
And a whole bunch of us were in the Patreon Slack talking while this is going on. And we saw someone tweeted a picture of the slide of all the cast members they got. And I saw Natalie Portman on there. I'm like, how the hell did they get Natalie Portman back? Like, what the hell? I mean, I know they got her for the premiere, but I mean, that's a premiere is not a this. And then it all made sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I'm very excited for Thor for, uh, Love and Thunder. It's oh, and like, it is confirmed, by the way, that like Tessa was not just playing with our hearts. Like we are getting an LGBTQA relationship from Valkyrie uh, in the movie. For I'll preface by saying it took too long to get here, but I am so glad we're here. Hell yeah. And I'm glad it's associated with monarchy. I approve. <laughs> you would. You would. <sighs> the Thor films have consistently been my favorite of the MC, and I just like that each time they just keep. I mean, well, Thor two was okay, but like Thor three and now Thor four just keeps like dropping the gauntlet or dropping the hammer, as it were. And ah, Mr. I actually, Mr. I actually like Thor two. I I like it. I just didn't like it as much as the first one. But Agreed. then everyone after that is well. There's only been one after that, but it's been an improvement since, and I'm I'm. Very optimistic about four being an improvement on the amazing Ragnarok. Yeah, like the Dark World was a total waste of Christopher Eccleston as a villain. Like that part I didn't dig at all. But like the Warriors three got a cool part in that, and you know they didn't weren't killed off like they were in Ragnarok, which I'm still bitter about. Um, I really appreciated the uh, uh, the Captain America sort of cameo with Loki and all. That was hilarious. <laughs> Truth, justice, in the American way. Uh, but yeah, no, I will. I will defend Thor: The Dark World. It's not amazing, but I liked it. It's one of those films you enjoy despite knowing objectively it's not great. Yeah, like I remember I went to go see it with two of my friends, and we all like, we all loved it. We came out of it, and we're like looking online the next day. We're like, did we not watch the same movie as everyone else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's put it this way: it's not a bad Thor movie. It's just not as good as the other ones. But like, it's one I will watch and I will enjoy, as opposed to some other MCU films like <coughs> Iron Man yeah, Three. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Jay, would you like to educate us about art today? Sure. So my art corner today is about how the MCU handles mythology. And it seems like I've been talking about mythology this whole time, which is totally fine with me. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, stuff in the MCU, like Thor and presumably the Eternals, um, play the same uh, are playing in the same universe as aliens and superpowered beings. And um, in the comics, as far as I can tell, at least the mythological comics like Thor and Incredible Hercules, they took a straight mythological aesthetic. Like the gods are real, myth is real, it's a mythical plane, and that can coexist in the same universe as the superheroes. Um, that's a little different from the MCU where the Asgardians are like a type of advanced aliens. Like in the uh, Thor 2, they talk about like quantum thingamajiggies, and so they're clear, and they, you know, they have like spaceship fighters and you know all that kind of stuff so they're a kind of alien um the eternals are also cosmic beings which are also kind of aliens that are both indistinguishable from myth from myth and i'm really curious to see what kind of aesthetic they end up adopting for the eternals because space asgard in the mcu actually works like thor's hero outfit is is half alien half myth you know asgard itself looks gorgeous to look like something out of a space fantasy fairy tale um which is a pretty familiar aesthetic i think for us star wars fans um 
And on the subject of Conjacast, I've always enjoyed how Asgard is a little more diverse than you would expect from a land of Norse mythology. It's not just all Nordic blondes. Um, possibly thanks to the uh, one of the Warriors Three, the comic character Hogan. Um, but even even excluding him, um, Asgard has been pretty diverse from the start. I mean, you have Id- Idris Elba as Heimdall. You had a lot of uh, random Asgardians who were people of color, and I think that's something that they've also been steadily increasing. Ragnarok seemed to have a lot more diversity in the background shots than Thor 2 and Thor 1, so it's something that I'm hopeful that they'll improve going onward. I mean, we have Valkyrie, after all, with Tessa Thompson, so um, I, in conclusion, I love the mythological aesthetic, I love the space look, and I love the diversity of our MCU mythological films. I think it's not surprising that the film that Taika directed is the one that had a more diverse cast. Yeah, who would have thought? Generally speaking. Just, it's crazy how that works out. Yep. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on Marvel-related stuff, guys, before we wrap this up? Marvel Except put, excitement? Uh, Marvel put other studios on notice. Uh, oh. Any you'd like to name specifically, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> One that rhymes with Rukus film. Hmm. Just saying, uh, if Marvel's going to put their money where their mouth is, other studios can do the same. How about you, Jay? Yeah, I think Marvel is showing that diversity on screen has to be matched by diversity behind the screen, and that's what makes films really work. I mean, look at the success of Black Panther, for example, and how well and how sensitive it handled those topics and how it handled a storyline that I think could have gone really sideways. So um, I think other studios should be on notice. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm hopeful that the Mandarin given how many, what a diverse group of directors they grabbed for that is a good sign of things to potentially come. But yeah, Marvel dropped like 5,000 microphones. Uh, figuratively because as Tega pointed out, they're really, really expensive. So we can't actually drop them. <laughs> but that was exactly the sort of show I wanted to see. And yes, Marvel did. They did take 10 years to build to it. Um, could they have been doing this a little bit faster? Absolutely. Should they have? I think so. But that was one hell of a lineup to reveal for the next two years. And I really would like to be sitting down to watch the Eternals already. I'm very excited. It's going to be a very fun two years. Yep. All right. And with that, um, I swear to God, we're going to talk about Nebu and the Monarchy next month. I swear. Uh, We were all set to talk about it this month. Jay was going to do show notes. And then he was talking to us on Sunday. And Brian and I were like, okay, but what if Marvel? Yeah, Um, I think I was actually literally writing them when we had the conversation of, you know, there's a lot of Marvel news coming out. And it's like, oh, yeah. There is. We did tag you in the Slack, Jay. You just didn't look. Because you were looking at the moon. Um, (laughs) It was a very significant day. I know. But I swear we're talking about Nabu next month. So if you have any questions for that, um, that you may have asked already, please ask them again. And we'll, you know, answer them next time. And with that, Brian, take us out. All right, this episode of the Kanji Cast has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That's patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Get in at the $1 level. You can join our Patreon-exclusive Slack team, where you can ask us questions, hang out with uh, with us and other listeners and hosts on the network. 
and just generally have a good time. Uh, we are part of the Tashi Station Network. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi Station. That's the official account. Uh, you can find Jay with Admiral Jello. Bria is Chaos Bria. I'm Lane Winry, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. You can find us on the Tashi Station Radio or Tashi Station Network Mega Feed on the iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And you can find our columns and news at TashiStation.net. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next month.